This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Uh, the show must go on time. They weren't going to go undefeated this season time. Come on, we all knew that time. Still, that, that should have been a win over the weekend, and it was a lost time. Not much to talk about with Tennessee Tech time. We'll figure something out time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a a warm but beautiful mid-September afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee on Saturday lost 41-34 to Pitt in a wild game that had a little bit of everything. If you want to go back and hear our post-game pod that's the most recent one that you'll have in your feed uh, except for this one where Patrick Brown and I discussed Tennessee's 41-34 loss to the Panthers but now we've had another 36 hours or so to to, to let this one breathe to think about it to think about the original consumption of the game what did we think did anything change and there's also some some recruiting stuff to discuss at the end so to do that we're going to go across town to that home daycare center of the one and the only Ryan Callahan. Ryan, first off, my man, how are you doing today? Uh, doing doing great, as as Mike Eckler would demand for me to say, um, because That's he true. can't well, say good. If, yeah, if you if you haven't heard that, uh, he he when he asks players passing by them in the complex or on the practice field, whatever, how they're doing, if, if they say I'm good, uh, it, it it becomes an issue. He says something about it. He always demands that you basically say great or, you know, why wouldn't you be great? So, uh, yeah, doing great. But uh, doing that despite all these COVID closures we keep dealing with, schools, schools shutting down, kids home more often now. So Yeah, we're it's it's like our whole staff is dealing with this. It's like who who's day, yeah. whose daycare or schools are open this week and who has to keep yeah. the kids at home and who can go to campus to do interviews. Yeah. So Wes, you're picking a great time to bring uh, a kid into the world. It's going to be a it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, but. that's true. I'm, I'm really looking forward to you know because that'll be right in, in the middle of winter. So I'm sure COVID won't be just raging out of control by then. And, yeah. You know, it'll. I'm sure it'll be great to be sitting in a hospital for for that time, just worried the entire time about everything that's about to happen. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a great time for all that. Hope you all out there are doing well though. In all seriousness, there's a there's a lot of that stuff going around and. It's unfortunate that we still see some of the hospitalizations and, and deaths and all these things. It's just it's just sad, man. It's sad. I hope people uh, – I'll say this at the end of every episode. I hope people wear, the, wear their masks. I hope they get their vaccine. I just – you know, at this point, it's just it's just science, man. Let's just – we got we to gotta find a way to fight through this. It sucks, but here we are nonetheless. And, and I think that's affecting somewhat, at least to a certain extent, 
perhaps some of the crowds that we've seen at Neyland Stadium this season um, because there are some people who are just clearly between COVID and between not knowing you know, what's going on with the program going forward. I mean, there were only, what, 80, 82, 83,000 people at that game uh, as the announced attendance on Saturday, which for a game against a decent ACC opponent early in the season when the team hadn't lost yet, I, that, that was a warning sign for me. Yeah, I, I, that, that, that's a statement to me. Uh, and and you, you, it's, it's tough to quantify how much COVID could be playing into that, even if you've got 5,000 people who would otherwise come to the game who, who might not be willing to right now that, that, that makes a dent. So that, that, that does hurt. But when you go back and look, this is, this is kind of the continuation of a trend. I, I went back and looked at this for a story last week on, you know, Tennessee pushing for a sellout with, you know, pro- recruits and, uh, and players uh, all tweeting, you know, Phil Nealon and make it uh 102, 455 and all that stuff. Um, obviously it didn't come anywhere close to that, but the last hard sellout Tennessee had was the Georgia game in 2017 back when Tennessee had, still some level of expectation there at the end of the Butch Jones era. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's just been kind of a gradual deterioration. The next year, the, the best crowd was 100,000 for the Florida game and Jeremy Pruitt's first year. Since then, no crowds even touched six figures. And, and last year, I think, the, or in 2019, the last season with full attendance, the best crowd was in the 92,000 range. So this is a further fall off from that. I think it just shows that a lot of fans are – or, or more fans are just taking a wait and see approach to everything and, and not buying in. And they're, you know, obviously the years of, of poor results have taken a toll on Tennessee, but I, I I'm with you. I thought that was a, a very concerning sign that you have 20,000 unsold seats, which means probably fewer than 80,000 butts in seats for a game like that. That was really a swing game in a lot of ways. And, and one of the most important games on Tennessee's schedule. I think that's, if I'm Danny White, if I'm Josh Heupel, that's something I'm, uh, looking at pretty seriously because that, that, that could, that could equal some ugly looking crowds later in the season, especially if things don't turn around a little bit for this team uh, as they go through the season. Yeah. I would go to various charities throughout the area and give away seats for this game this week against Tennessee tech. I mean, I, I would at some point, I mean, you, or, or, or put some five or $10 tickets. I mean, do something because you do not want any of those crowd shots to be that ugly. You know, you just it's just not a great look. Well, I'll give Tennessee some credit because they've done some of that already. We've seen several flash sales they offered leading up to the start of the season, leading up to last week's game. I think at one point they offered, um, I forget the exact dollar figure, but under $20 tickets for both of the first two games. So they've given fans an opportunity to buy cheap seats. They've done what they can to, to make season tickets accessible for everyone at, at pretty reasonable cost. So they've, they've done what they can without completely nullifying the value of their tickets and, and angering season ticket holders that pay a lot of money, which is obviously a tough line to walk, but you know, they've done what they can. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know how much more aggressive you can be or how much they should do, but they certainly, I think have to start looking around for some answers. Cause I, I, obviously it's just a different era. Selling tickets is harder right now, Yes. but at the same time you look around there, there are others, other sec schools coming closer to filling their stadiums right now other rivals and other conferences that are coming a little closer to filling their stadiums right now. The Neyland Stadium is just big. That's part of it. But um, so a crowd of 82,000 is nothing to shake a stick at these days, but it is something Tennessee is going to have to continue to look at because I, I, you know, again, later in the season when you're playing some, you know, important games against, you know, Ole Miss comes to Neyland Stadium for the first time in several years, you know, are, are fans going to come from a school like that and, just invade Neyland in a way that we haven't seen before because of how accessible tickets are to everyone. I mean, that's 
fans were really embarrassed by the way Alabama's come in and kind of taken over Neyland Stadium in recent years. You could see that for a couple games this year if it continues to be this way. Yeah, imagine like a Kentucky or somebody or South Carolina doing that and, and what that would do. For Tennessee, that's 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 not good. And again, that's not it's Tennessee's responsibility to put a product out there that people want to see. I'm not blaming fans whatsoever for that decision. That's their money and their lives and whatever they want to do is their prerogative. I'm just saying for this week in particular, I, I would pull out all the stops. I would go to the Boys and Girls Club and, and I would go to, you know, Emerald Youth here locally or go to the, the local, you know, military bases, local police officers, firefighters, and, and just, you know, just, just give them some tickets. I mean, butts in the seats still mean you're selling some some of those $50 Cokes. So, I mean, you know, it's, you could still still find a way that way. But, I mean, there's much more to discuss going forward. I just need to throw that out there because that I didn't address that Saturday with Pat on, mm-hmm. on the show. And I just – because I didn't want to just kick even more while Tennessee was down a little bit there. didn't feel like the right time to do it. But uh, that, to me, was was a was a warning shot, that one, because that, that just that, – that did not look – Great. I mean, the TV cameras these days do a pretty good job with, you know, the you got SEC network involved with with ESPN and other things. So they're 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 trying not to show some of those big wide pan shots of like the empty seats because you know you think about like that Ole Miss Louisville game in Atlanta and how horrible that looked visually. Every time they kept doing those big wide crowd shots, it was just like my God, how many other like five thousand, ten thousand people there? It just looked horrible. Uh, and you never want to see that because that's not good for anybody. But there is more to discuss. We will talk more about Tennessee, uh, the injury situation here later in the first segment because there's a lot uh, there that we don't know yet because Josh Heupel just continues to, hey, it's his, it's what he wants to do. Uh, he, he doesn't say a lot about them. He very politely uh, does not talk much about injuries. So we will see as the week progresses if, if we get more information because – you just look at Tennessee's depth chart now, and there's there's a lot there that are just super, super important guys that we just don't know about. And obviously we're going to talk about the quarterback situation in the second segment because that is, again, people might be tired of hearing about it, but but it's it's the subject, man. It's right now the way things went Saturday, you know, and you got an injury involved there too. There, there's there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, Tennessee getting an important player back, uh, Byron Young, who we'll talk about here a little bit later in the first segment as well. But first, Ryan, just your thoughts. We didn't get you on Saturday. Your thoughts on the game. We've had more time to, to sort of think about this now. What did you think about the game overall? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I give Tennessee a lot of credit on one hand because when you go back and look at everything that went wrong from the 13 penalties for, what, 134 yards and, uh, three turnovers while forcing none and and just you know being down 14 points multiple times and and the way they still fought back and and for for fans to come away feeling like they still squandered an opportunity to win that game it's pretty impressive and I and I, I give Tennessee a lot of credit for showing some resiliency uh, you know for, again being down 14 they that game easily could have gotten away from Tennessee a couple times I thought and and they they didn't let it so give them a lot of credit for that. Uh, so, so there were, I think there are some positives to take away from that. And I thought it was really interesting. Tyler Barron, who's become a little more uh, of a spokesman a little bit for this team, kind of opening up a little bit more in a couple of recent uh, media availabilities, I think has, has kind of, you know, kind of admitted Monday. He, he thinks if there's, if there's a, a silver lining to that loss Saturday, he feels it might be the most encouraging loss that Tennessee's had um, I, I think he was saying since he's been here and, and I, I can understand why he would feel that way for the reasons I just mentioned you know they, they did fight back they did 
you know, the fact that they look back at a seven point loss and see so many opportunities to, uh, to, to have won that game. I think it, it does give you some, some encouragement if you're a player, because I don't think they came away from last year uh, with any, any of those losses really feeling that way. I think that was a team that, you know, had some chances to hang around in games and then just kind of blew it and lost by double digits a lot. Uh, this team, you know, had a chance, had a, had a team there, maybe not on the ropes, but certainly within its grasp and just let it kind of slip away despite a lot of things going wrong that are fixable. I think that's the other thing. They feel a lot of the things they did wrong Saturday are fixable. On the other hand, I see a lot of areas for concern too. I, I think the limitations of this team showed up kind of in a big way Saturday, most notably with the depth, as you mentioned, having some guys out Saturday um, really showed up about Tennessee's running game going from 331 yards to not very effective Saturday was a, was a big concern, especially because as good and as aggressive as Pittsburgh is, you're going to face better defenses in the sec. So not being able to run very well, doesn't, doesn't bode well for how that might um, that, that might translate into sec play. And then the pass protection shaky, you know, that offensive line has really been shaken up by losing Cooper Mays. And even, even with him, I'm not sure they would have, shored up all the pass protection issues and things that we saw Saturday, but just not a lot of time for Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker to, to make plays and good decisions. That's why we saw those guys make some mistakes, I think. And then on defense, just not making enough happen. Two sacks that were on blitzes. Uh, Theo Jackson and Jeremy Banks had the only two sacks. Uh, you had, you had uh, no turnovers again. You know, the secondaries, you know, made a, made a few plays, broke up some passes, just not, not making enough happen there. They, they played some solid coverage, but, it's kind of a continuation of the issue we've seen too much from Tennessee the past couple of years, just not, not making things happen enough, not, not forcing turnovers. And that's what this defense wants to do as much as anything. So I, I definitely some reasons for optimism, but at the same time, some real causes for concern, especially to me, the depth that this team just doesn't have. And, and if they continue to battle injuries throughout the season, which is kind of just part of the game, Tennessee's going to have to have to develop some depth throughout the season because I think they just don't have a lot as they showed Saturday having to rely on Jalen Wright at running back for the entire second half while Tyon Evans and Jabari Small were out. Yeah, you know, it's easy to take things for granted. And Heupel had a really good quote uh, about that on, on – or not directly about that, but it made me think about that Monday afternoon when he said that, you know, he, he loves Jalen Wright and he thinks that kid's going to be a player at Tennessee – but he he needs to get better at getting plus two, which is and what he means by that is you know you, we've seen Small do this, we've seen Evans do this, we see a lot of SEC running backs do this when they're hit and they go forward, they're getting about plus two yards when they're falling down. So that and that adds up over the course of you, you think about twenty, you know thirty forty carries in, in a game for various running backs. If they're getting plus two more often than not, that's anywhere from forty to eighty rushing yards throughout the course of a game. That's a big deal. And that hurt Tennessee a little bit on on uh, Saturday because Jalen Wright just did not fall forward as well as the other two. He's not he he's he's younger. He's not as physically powerful as those two yet, uh, especially as Evans. And, and he he just doesn't you know he doesn't he doesn't fall forward yet. And they really there it's a little thing like that, but it really really adds up. So they're going to have to get better at that. But Ryan, I, I think to the to the larger point, and, and I I could be proven wrong about this in the long run but but I, I I think there is a big big difference in teams psychologically when they truly believe that their offense can get back into a football game uh, mm-hmm. when, when you're down 
you know, we've seen this before with Tennessee's offenses the past few years. A lot of times when Tennessee was down by, you know, two, you know, 14, 17 points, you felt like that was more like 30 points because the offense just could not consistently go out there and be a threat to make a big play, be a threat to go down the field. But this offense, the way that it takes shots downfield, the way that it spreads the field, the way that it can get, you know, a lot of 15, 20-yard plays and put some points on the board – We'll see against SEC defenses what that looks like, but I think there's a tangible value in terms of belief within a team, and I think that helps the team, obviously, offensively. I think it helps defensively. I think it helps on special teams. I think it helps the fan base. I think it helps everyone in the program keep some energy because they feel like this team can get back into a game because there were several points in that game, I think three of them, where you felt like, man, Tennessee doesn't do something here offensively. This one's getting away from them. And, and every time they either scored or put themselves in position to score and get right back in the game. And, and that kind of belief, I think, is a really, really important thing because there are going to be games where you give up points. This defense is just going to give up points. It's just how it is. But if you can go as fast as they do offensively, if you can make the plays they, they make, connect on some of those throws downfield, get some of those chunk yardage runs, you know, get quarterbacks scrambling out of the pocket for 30, 40, 50 yards at a chunk – you feel like you can always get back in the game. And I think that's important. And I think that is something this team still believes. And I think that's really, really important. And I think something that's also going to be really important, Ryan, is getting Byron Young back, uh, Tennessee's junior defensive end, a guy who we talked about consistently in preseason camp. We talked about throughout the offseason uh, as a guy. And people in, in the Tennessee program spoke about a lot, too, as a guy who – uh, is just dynamic off the edge. I mean, Tyler Barron said it again Monday. He said Byron Young, he thinks Byron Young is going to be a guy that other teams have to game plan around because that's how good he can be off the edge. And I don't want to get everybody too revved up about a player who has not played a single, you know, FBS game yet or, you know, Division One game yet. I don't want to get people too, too excited about that. But I've never walked away from an open practice thinking anything other than, damn, that kid is good. And I think getting him back, which Heupel said he's now back, he's been cleared by the NCAA, everything's good, I think that's huge for this team. And I think if he had been able to play Saturday, I don't know that Kenny Pickett would have escaped as many times as he did. Yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. it just didn't feel like Tennessee had enough of a quick edge rush to, to make things happen Saturday. I, Tyler Barron was very good on a few plays. He was limited uh, throughout uh, the game, really, uh, with, a, with a kind of a nagging injury that he – uh, you know, just didn't play as many snaps as they would have liked because of that. So, you know, that, that hurt Tennessee a little bit, but even a guy like that doesn't necessarily give you the, 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 the quick twitch, you know, ability off the edge that, that, that uh, I think Byron Young is going to show at least once he gets up to speed, we'll see if he has to knock off any rust or, or kind of get up to speed uh, when he makes his debut Saturday against Tennessee tech. But I, you know, the, the way Tennessee has, and we haven't seen a lot of this ourselves we saw a glimpse of him this spring, and we saw we've seen a little bit on the very brief uh, glimpses of practice we, we've seen throughout the preseason, uh, which we're not even seeing anything each week now. But uh, but seeing what we've seen, it, you know, he looks like he's got just a different gear, maybe from what Tennessee has elsewhere among its edge rushers. So it's it's a big deal to get a guy like this back. I think it could make an immediate impact on Tennessee's defense. You know, again, they're only two sacks, and, and give Kenny Pickett a lot of credit, the Pittsburgh quarterback 
was really tough to bring down. And yeah, it, you know, it, it, it was it was a poor man's Baker Mayfield performance. Yeah, you know the, some of the throws he made in that game on the run, like that touchdown he threw in the back of the end zone on the run. You, you that's an absolutely just you have to tip your cap. That was an unbelievable throw on the run yep. into a really tight window. It really was, and so so give. You wouldn't say Tennessee just had no pressure. There were plays where they got to the quarterback fairly well, flushed him out of the pocket, and just couldn't close on him. But that's where having a guy like Byron Young can make a difference, I think. So that it, I, I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't say anybody's overstating the importance of getting Byron Young back. This could be a really big deal for Tennessee's defense. And let's face it, a, a, a top having your top two edge rushers be Byron Young and Tyler Barron, uh, if if Young is anything like what we've heard so far, uh, that, that sounds a lot better than Tyler Barron and Roman Harrison. No, no knock on Roman Harrison. He's been a solid role player for Tennessee. I just don't know that he's you know, at, at that level where you want to be counting on him to play a large number of snaps right now. So uh, th- this is an upgrade for Tennessee, I think, getting him back, and, and, and we'll see what kind of impact he makes right off the bat. But I, I, think, just, I think their pass rush is just going to look better having Byron Young out there, you know, they've got some other guys playing pretty well up front. You know, obviously Matthew Butler had a, had a good game Saturday too. So they've got some other guys playing well across the defensive line. They just need a little bit more of an edge rush presence to, to get things going, I think, and, and start to force some turnovers. That's, that's maybe the biggest concern to, to me about this team through two games, two games against Bowling Green and Pittsburgh, and you haven't forced a turnover. You're going to face better offenses. You're going to face better offensive lines than what they've seen the first two games. And to have not forced a single turnover, against those two teams, pretty concerning. So they, they need a pass rush in particular to help with that, I think. Secondary's got to play better, too. It's got to happen everywhere. But uh, getting a pass rush, uh, an improved pass rush, will help with that. And I think Byron Young is uh, getting him back is a big step toward that. One, one thing just to follow up on that, the reason he, it was two games, it was never going to be more than two games because he essentially played in two games during the 2018 season at Gulf Coast Prep Sports Academy uh, in Mount Vernon, Alabama. Uh, that was, you know, Tennessee tried to appeal the situation, but they were, I think, aware of it even a little bit maybe during the during the summer and knew that the, it was maybe a concern going into the season opener. Obviously, they, they tried to get it resolved by then, didn't happen, tried to get it resolved by the pit game, didn't happen. But he was never going to be out any longer than two games, from what I understand, because it was two games that he played in during that 2018 season. So he's back, no issues, no concerns about that this week, obviously. Uh, weird deal. I haven't seen one like that before, but – um, you sometimes get that with these guys that go the junior college route and have to go through various stops on their way. We've seen guys with multiple junior college stops before. We've seen prep school followed by JUCO. This is one of those deals where I, you know, again, hadn't seen anything like it, but it obviously costs Tennessee in a in a pretty big way because in a seven point game, who knows if Byron Young being out maybe maybe changes that game in some way. You know, Tennessee has him out there. Who knows what could have happened? Yeah, and I think that you know on the depth chart at least, you know, Barron and and Byron Young are both listed as as is that at that Leo spot. They don't put it. They don't write Leo on the depth chart. But that's the Leo spot where, where those guys play a majority of their snaps. And whether that's a deal where those two guys are rotating to keep them fresh throughout the game, or you slide one of them in some packages over to the other defensive end spot, which is normally reserved for the bigger defensive end, then then maybe you can get them both coming off different edges for some situations. I think that would be a really nice look for Tennessee to be able to do. Maybe maybe third downs, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then on first and second downs, you're sort of rotating those other two and you're keeping them fresh. So I think that could, could make a lot of difference for Tennessee. I also think that getting – 
you know, Tyon Evans and, and Jabari Smallback could be would, would be would be huge for Tennessee. Uh, I, I imagine there that that uh, we we'll see with Jabari Small what the situation is there with Evans. I, I I think it's really fair to expect him to come back this week. Probably, I would imagine that. You know, physically, we'll see what happens with, you know, if, if he's had to miss some time, if there's some rust there. But I think, I think it's probably okay to think there's a better chance than not that he's back this week. We don't know about Milton. We don't know about Jalen Hyatt, who really took a nasty shot to the head there, looks a little woozy. Is there anything else that, that you've picked up on, Ryan, or, or things? Obviously, Tyler Barron's okay, even though he's nicked up. Any, any, anything that you've heard about some of those guys? Yeah, I don't. I don't know the exact situation on Tyon Evans. I think it could be a matter of timing. You know, it is a ten-day window or whatever passed by the time Saturday comes around. I think that's a that's a, a good possibility based on what we know about last week's time frame and all that. But the you know, I, I think there's a, at least a good chance he's back. The thing about this week is, I think if anybody's on the fence about playing or not they might just lean toward not playing them this week. It is just Tennessee Tech. You don't want to. But some guys need reps, though. Some guys do need reps, though, if that, they can get them. That is true. I mean, we, we, we saw that with some NFL teams on Sunday that didn't get enough preseason work. It, there's some value to getting some confidence, to getting some continuity with your, with your top groups. Uh, you don't want to be shaking off rust against Florida uh, in the, going into the swamp for your SEC opener. So I do think there, there's some value to that. But, if you know, you might see guys play either – very little or not at all Saturday if there's anyone who's a close call. And that that's why I think, you know, there's – frankly, I think there's a good chance we see Hendon Hooker again at quarterback. We'll see about that. But I, I think, you know, Joe Milton's injury status, um, what, whatever that may be, if it's at all in question, it, it gives you just an easy an easy out to just say, you know what, we need to see what Hendon Hooker can do this week and, and make that decision – for the Florida game, maybe based on how it goes for Hooker this week, at least to some degree, you know, you would assume he's going to put up good numbers against Tennessee Tech, but you know, are, are there any concerning signs that that make you think he can't be the guy? Uh, that makes me think you see Tennessee at least give some other guys a chance. This game, to me, you know, not you don't want to disrespect an opponent, and Josh Heupel certainly not going to say they're approaching it this way, but this is the kind of game where Tennessee's got to develop some depth because they're they're going into the part of their schedule now after Tennessee Tech where. You know, it's one after another. It's Florida, it's Missouri, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Alabama. Before you get an open date, you, you're going to have to have some more guys ready to play. So the, the storyline this week is, you know, does a guy like Jeremiah Crawford on the offensive line get some playing time to get sort of worked into the mix more? Now, uh, Kingston Harris, does he continue to get some work at guard where he looked pretty good, I thought, for, for most of the game Saturday? Um, the, the more guys develop on defense, you get those junior co- or those transfer corners in there, Brandon Turnage and Kamal Haddon, you know, you've got to develop some depth throughout this roster with a game like this. So I, I like this game being played the third game of the season because you do get a little more, there's a little more excitement about maybe seeing some of these young guys play. And I think that's the real value of a game like this. So to me, if there's any question at all about Jabari Small and Tyon Evans, maybe this is a game to see if Jalen Wright, you know, can handle 20 carries and see how he does with that opportunity. And maybe behind him too, to see if Laneith Whitehead can give you anything or even Deep Beckwith, see what those guys can add. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying on Hendon Hooker. I would make the complete. I would make a different argument. I, I get what you're saying, but I have a different take on that, and I think that'll be a good discussion for the second segment, which is a good way to to give y'all a heads up that we're about to go to a commercial here, guys. We're, we're going to take away, uh, take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, and other fun things, and then we will be right back with much more discussion about Tennessee football here on the Go Vols 24/7 podcast. Hashtag ad 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard from a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town at his home daycare center on this beautiful uh, beautiful, a little, little cloudy, but uh, you know, partly sunny, partly cloudy. Uh, warm though, a beautiful mid mid September day here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking about Tennessee football after the Vols' forty one thirty four loss to Pitt on Saturday at Neyland Stadium in the Johnny Majors Classic. Looking forward to uh, Tennessee playing Tennessee Tech this week. Obviously, getting more tuned up for the game against Florida the week after that. Lots of things to discuss, and we will get right back to that. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys: take about ninety seconds out of your day right now please, and go in and subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening on the website, there's nothing wrong with that. We love you. Like Ron Swanson with alcohol, there, there, there's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, but if you could go in there and take a minute out of your day and go in and just, just whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast the pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. So please go in there, hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do out there that would help us more than that. Uh, it helps us a lot. Really, it does when you look at the metrics and how things are built. We can, we've, we've been growing this thing for years since we started it, and we will continue to grow it as long as y'all keep spreading the word, rating, and reviewing. That really, really helps us out. And since we do that, this, this whole thing for free, I don't think that's too much to ask. So please, just please, please go in there and take some time out of your day to go do that. Also, uh, go to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee sports, all things Tennessee sports all day. We'll tell you all the benefits of that here at the end of the episode like usual, but but really you can go in get a seven-day free trial, and then it's less than one mediocre lunch per month, and you get so, so, so many things, including access to Paramount+. Plus. And we'll discuss all that at the end like we always do. Uh, but before we get back to football, guys, really quickly, I could not let this podcast go without mentioning this. A million, a million shouts out to Tennessee basketball big man Urosh Plasic who, in case you haven't been following this, this story recently, uh, the, the new NIL laws, the name, image, and likeness, there's, there's a problem in that law for, for students attending college on an international visa. Uh, and he's one of those, obviously, being from the Balkans where he's from. He, he's not you know, a U.S. citizen, so he is not allowed to keep any money. He's not allowed to make money. Uh, from this NIL stuff yet until they change that rule, and I hope they do. But in the meantime, he has done an incredibly awesome thing, and he's going to continue through with some NIL deals, and any penny that he makes from it, he's going to give to charity because there's no law that says you can't uh, make money 
uh, there's just a law that says you can't keep that money. So he's going to earn money and he's going to give it to charities. And I think that's awesome. And just a million shouts out to Urosh Pavsic for doing that. That is a that is a big thing uh, from a big man with a big heart. And I thought that was really awesome to see. That, that's just the latest of several things that have been really cool about all of this NIL stuff uh, from walk-ons, getting money from certain uh, certain sponsors at schools and things like that to uh, – you know, just guys like Grant Fairking at Tennessee being, uh, you know, suddenly you know, being in the spotlight more, um, you know, things like that. Just random guys you wouldn't have thought would benefit from this, benefiting from it. And then you've seen stuff like this where guys are using their platform uh, for, for some truly good things. You know, everyone kind of went into this, I think, thinking, oh, man, these, it's going to make things so much worse. Players are going to be greedy. This is going to ruin locker room chemistry everywhere and all this stuff. And and then you see some of these positive things that are really cool that we would have never had without this. Yeah, it's just cool to see Plofsic, who could be sulking about this for all we know, but publicly he's not doing that. He is telling, he he is he is going out there and, and doing a lot of great things for the community, and I think that's awesome. And I don't know whether he's going to send some of that to charities back home. Uh, there's a lot of people, obviously, in that war-torn area who could probably use some money. Don't know if it's going to be more local or more of an international thing or national thing. I don't know what he's going to do with it yet, but I think it's awesome because he could be sulking about this, but you would never know it publicly. So that's been really, really neat to see. Plenty more to discuss, though, going forward about Tennessee football. And, and Ryan made what I thought was a really good point there in the first segment, talking about wanting to see what Hendon Hooker could do if you just turn the offense over to him because of the way he performed last week compared to the way that Joe Milton performed last week. And, and I think that it's important to note that, you know, Hooker still made some mistakes that, that were big changes in the game. I think maybe that fourth and short, if there's a chance, if he keeps that ball – with that DN crashing so hard, I think he could probably there's a, they have maybe a better chance of getting something done there if they go that route. And then I think mm-hmm. obviously the pick at the end of the game, he just didn't see the safety. It happens, you know. But but I think overall, you look at the numbers and you say Hendon Hooker, he he did a lot of good things. My argument for the opposite would be this, and I'll tell you at the beginning. My argument right now is that if Joe Milton III is still healthy, I still think he's your guy. I think there's a lot of reasons for that, at least for now. And I'll go into that in a second. Um, but I don't want that to be a criticism of Hooker or Bailey. I don't, I don't want that to be a criticism of either guy. My point with Hendon Hooker is he's played a lot of football at this level. We know for better or for worse who he is. The way he performed against Pitt on Saturday was a lot like the way he performed at Virginia Tech. We know he's a good runner, not a Dobbs quality runner but a really really good runner we know that he can throw those those balls over the middle that he's got enough arm strength he can complete some passes he can do some things but if you lean on him as the guy who's going to make the plays with his arm to win a game that's always been a bit of a tricky proposition and that's not to say that he couldn't improve um, but I, I I think my argument is this and I touched on this a little bit after the game Saturday I'll say it again now in a different way I still think Right now for for Josh Heupel and his Tennessee football program, it's not that the results right now don't matter, and there's no such thing as a true free pass, but what they're doing is trying to build something for the future. I think you know what Hendon Hooker is, and I think if you need to turn to him, that's fine. You know what you're going to get, and you know that right now, right now, he might give you a slightly better chance to win games. And so what I'm going to say probably will rub some people the wrong way. I still think we don't really quite know what Joe Milton III could be. There's a good argument to be made that if you're 21 years old like he is and you've been around the college game for a few years now, 
that you are what you are. I, I don't know that I buy that. And I think what you could be with Milton, we don't know yet. And it could be something that's really fun and really special. And we don't know that yet. And if you have to make a tiny sacrifice now for the potential of having something better later, I personally have zero problem with that. I don't think that's anything you can say publicly at all. And I don't think you should because that would be beyond stupid to say to this fan base right now. But I still think this coaching staff is not calling those vertical shots downfield if they don't think Joe Milton III can make that throw. Why, that would be the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You do not put players in a position to fail. They're not making those calls based on a belief that he can't make that throw. He's making that throw in practice consistently. They know he has the ability to do that. That's why they've got him out there. That's why they're calling the, those plays. I think right now making a change almost sort of admits, it's like in soccer when you see a coach make two or three substitutions at halftime. That's him saying, I screwed this up, guys. My bad. I don't think that's the that's the image you want out there right now. And I still think that if you need to turn I, – I, I, I'll amend this timeline a little bit. I still think by halftime of that Mizzou game, if at that point you're in that game and it's still close and Joe Milton III is still not making plays he just needs to make, I'll go ahead and make the change then. But I still think you, you got to take a chance – on what Milton could be. And I, I, I understand people will disagree with that, but that's what I personally would do. Well, I, I'll say this. I, I think what, what the point I was making earlier was that Joe Milton's injury, I think, gives you a unique window to, to sort of, if you want to just see what Hendon Hooker can do, to let Hooker play this week. And if if nothing else, you can just sort of, attribute it to the injury just like Saturday we don't know for sure that Joe Milton couldn't go back into the game we saw him throwing on the sideline he was limping pretty bad but he was no he was he was but who's to say he couldn't have gone in there Tennessee felt he was still the best option even at 80 percent or whatever and and that's that's where you know an injury gives you an out and and maybe they just wanted to see Hooker at that point and they just say you know what we can say he's injured not worry about it we don't get to we don't embarrass Joe Milton publicly that way by saying he's you know, lost the job for the rest of the day, rest of the game. You don't necessarily admit there's a quarterback controversy, uh, even though I think everyone at this point kind of knows it's at least a, a little bit up in the air. But that this allows them a little bit of wiggle room, and so I, I think you maybe take advantage of it in this game. Although I, I I hear what you're saying on Joe Milton, and I don't disagree with that point. I I do I do wonder if yeah, and and, and again. Just like Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker's playing in a different offense at Tennessee. You know, while while he does have more of a track record than Joe Milton, did start 15 games at Virginia Tech, he, he took pretty good care of the ball. He only threw seven interceptions over the past two years. So the, the one he threw Saturday was not necessarily just a, a sign of what you're getting with, with Hendon Hooker. He did take pretty good care of the ball throughout his time with the Hokies. Um, so I, I think I think you could say there's at least some upside maybe to being in a new system for him, just like there could be for Joe Milton. I, I do agree that Milton is a is more of an unknown because he only had five career starts before this year and that he's arguably still developing more so than Hooker, a fifth-year senior. So no doubt I, that that point has some validity to it. But I, I, I think this year matters maybe a little bit more. I, I know you're playing for the long run, but I – I think the difference between six and six or seven and five versus five and seven this year is, is tangible. Uh, we've seen this before 
where that first year five and seven certainly doesn't kill you, but it doesn't, it doesn't really do you any favors. And, and this, and this staff with where they've been in recruiting with everything they have fought since they got to Tennessee, they could use a little bit of a boost. They could use some on-field performance to sort of back up what they're doing. So I, I think you do have to sweat each individual game a little bit more and not just worrying about the long run. That, the other thing is, even though Joe Milton has two years of eligibility left after this year, I don't know what the odds are that he sticks around for that third year anyway. So I, I don't see him as a long, long-term solution for Tennessee at quarterback. I see him as maybe a two-year solution if he turns out to be the guy because he's going to eventually want to go pro and take his chances if he's any good. So to me, he's, he's a long-term fix in the sense that he could be your guy again next year. But for that matter, so could Hendon Hooker. He's got another year after this year. So I, I don't worry as much about that. If I, if I have questions about Joe Milton and, and again, he's got, he's developing more of a track record now, if those throws and, and, and like you said, he hasn't made all those bad throws on the practice field. I think clearly they, they feel he's been better in practices than what we've seen in games to this point. But if these things continue to show up, I think you've eventually got to, got to consider things. And I, th- I just think that injury gives you maybe a unique opportunity to just see what hooker does this week. And you can always go right back to Milton and say he's healthy. And that way, if you still think he's your best option, he's healthy going into the Florida game and you don't have to worry about him being less than hundred percent. So that's, that's kind of where I think this, this week is an interesting, there, there's this an interesting strategic angle to it as far as how they choose to go at this quarterback situation. And also sitting out Milton because of the injury might give you a chance to see Harrison Bailey, which I know people would like to see just because they want to know he's, he's the intriguing one to a lot of Man, fans. I know Ryan, I think if, if, if you put Bailey out there in a game against Tennessee tech against lower opposition, and he puts up some big numbers against an FCS team, I think that's only going to make this a whole lot noisier and a whole but, lot worse. Yeah, but you're talking about perception. and, and which, is I mean, re- the, which is reality and when it, you're no, it at is Tennessee. Reality. It is reality, but I'm saying you've also got to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. You've got to keep three engaged and make sure Harrison Bailey doesn't leave. Giving him some playing time against Tennessee Tech – you know, keeps I think keeps him more in the discussion. It allows you to evaluate him because let's face it, what this what this staff saw from Hendon Hooker Saturday with his running ability and things like that, in some ways I think you didn't really get to see that during preseason practices and scrimmages. And remember, they didn't scrimmage for more than two weeks before the season opener. Their second and final scrimmage was more than two weeks before that season opener. So they really didn't get to see a lot of that. And even when they did have those guys in scrimmages, they're in red jerseys where they can't be tackled. So that takes away an element of Hendon Hooker's game. Maybe he showed something with that running ability Saturday that even though they knew he had some speed, maybe he's a little bit better runner than they even realized in some ways. Uh, and, and just like that, you know, Harrison Bailey, they've seen him in practices. He hasn't been very good. Some guys, and I, I'm not saying this is the case for him. I think he was okay last year. I don't think he was special in those three games he started at the end of the year, but he was okay. Um, but some guys are just different when you turn the lights on and maybe he could be one of those types of guys and playing him in this system, even against a weaker opponent, even if he only gets through five or six passes could at least give you an evaluation of whether, you know what, maybe he is a little bit different in games than what we've seen in practices. It, it, it could be helpful. I just don't see any downside to really seeing what you have at a lot of positions because this team needs depth. And needs playmakers everywhere, and they obviously haven't settled the quarterback position just yet. Well, I don't think against Tennessee Tech you're going to see something that's going to be really important for Tennessee's offense this season. And and again, we know Evans will be back at some point. We'll see with with Jabari Small. We'll see how bad that that shoulder or collarbone or whatever it is. It was clearly something in that area of the body. We'll try to get an update on him. I mean, they've they've closed down practices, and Heupel doesn't talk much about injury, so. 
there could be a lot of guesswork involved here or, or a lot of us digging around and prodding and making people mad <laughs> inside the program trying to figure some of this stuff out. But I, I think what you won't be able to see is something that, that Tennessee is going to need, uh, which is especially if that offensive line doesn't get more consistent, you are going to have to have a quarterback who can run. You're going to have to have a quarterback who can escape the pocket and can pick up – and first downs, move the chains, and make plays with his legs. You're not going to see that as the need for that as much against Tennessee Tech, and that's an area where Bailey, it's through no fault of his own, cannot compete with the other two. He just can't. He's not as, I agree. He, he, he does not run as well as they do. I mean, that's an objective fact. And, Although and I, I will and, say – And I think if Small's out for a while, you know, I think that, you know, you, that need for a quarterback who can run I think becomes even greater. I agree with that completely. I think that's one of the arguments you can make for Hendon Hooker, who I think is the best runner of the three. Agreed. Being the guy going forward is that he he can he showed he's not Josh Dobbs, but he's he's the closest thing they've had to Josh Dobbs in the past five years in terms of just being able to make a play with his legs and become a runner rather than just a quarterback scrambling. Um, you know, Jared Garantano obviously didn't have a lot of speed. They had some guys like Brian Maurer with some athleticism that that were a little bit better. But, but th- this is the closest thing you've had to a guy who can be a real threat with his legs. And to your point earlier, probably should have kept that ball on fourth down if that was not a called run all the way that just had the look of his own read. If, that, if he had an option there, he made the wrong decision not to pull it and, and keep it himself, I think. So he, he, he's a weapon uh, that Tennessee clearly relied on that loosened up Pitt's defense once he got going. You know, one of those points in the game where they were down 14 for the first time, I thought was where it felt like the game was starting to get away because, like you said, kind of like last year, didn't feel like their offense had anything going. And then he finally got a drive going, and the next thing you know, there's some belief that, hey, Hooker can can put together a drive that this this game's not over. So I I, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by the mobility there. I I, I will say in, 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 Harrison's Bailey, in Harrison Bailey's defense, and I'm not at all advocating for him to be the starter or anything like that, like some fans I know are right now, but I do think Bailey is – a better runner than, than people might have given him credit for, including me last year. I thought he had some, he showed some natural um, savviness, I guess, and just sort of finding ways to make a few plays with his legs. But I don't think he's at the same level as hooker and Milton as a runner. So to your point, I, I, I do think with an offensive line that maybe isn't going to get them great protection. And we'll see about that throughout the year, but that, that is certainly one of the arguments for, for sticking with hooker or, or Milton. As opposed to giving Bailey a shot, but I don't think that's the only reason. I think people assuming that Bailey's only third on the depth chart because he can't run. You know, I think that's greatly oversimplifying things. I think this staff, if they felt Bailey was making enough plays with his arm, they've said it before. You know, Drew Locke wasn't necessarily a big runner. Um, they just they, they can make it work with different guys. I just don't think they felt Bailey was making enough plays overall to to beat out the other two guys. And it was kind of that way from the start of spring practice on that Bailey always looked like he was behind aside from the day of the spring game. So not, not at all questioning that, but I'd still be in, intrigued by maybe seeing what he could do. Um, I, I will say this, though. I'm, I'm with everything. I mean, I, I sort of understand it, I guess, because quarterback races just tend to do that with people. But with everything that's worked against Tennessee in recent years, all the issues this program has had this year and, and in past years, I just don't understand. <laughs> it's fascinating to me that a quarterback – competition or whatever you want to call it. It's not even really a competition, but that, that these, that the quarterbacks on this roster have sort of divided this fan base into camps that you've got some that seem to want Joe Milton to fail. Some that seem to want Harrison Bailey never to get a chance. I, I just don't get it. 
a lot of people doubting what coaching staffs are seeing when they're the ones that see these players every day and we don't. Um, it's just it's amazing to me that people have just made up their minds on which quarterback is best. And we have way less information than coaches do who see them every day in practice. And it's, you would think fans just want to see whoever gives the team the best chance to win and would want the guy out there to succeed. But it's, it's kind of crazy to me that it's kind of turned into this, this whole like wanting one guy to fail and another guy to get a chance. Yeah. I'll say this. I think that if we never ever disagreed with the coach, at least publicly, there would be no point for what we do. We, oh, sure. We would, we would just be stenographers at that point. You know, we wouldn't be journalists. We wouldn't be doing this. And, and I think we, we've been critical. I mean, I've said before, I, I think any play that has a shotgun formation in an inches-to-go situation should be thrown into the sea never to return. Uh, I, I think it's bad football. That's what I think. Now, I, I, that's not to say that I'm right. That's to say that's my opinion. Uh, I, there are things that I do not understand. But I will say that two games into a season where we've seen Joe Milton play, what, five quarters, five and a half quarters, this staff had months to make that decision. And I think that doesn't mean that you get it right all the time because you never do. You always find out early in the season, oh, God, we thought this would work and it doesn't work, so we'll move on. That's pretty common. I just don't – I think Heupel generally deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to offense. I think you look at offense, you look at track record, you look at where he's been, what he's done, the numbers. I think putting some trust in him, a guy who played quarterback at a high level, nearly won a Heisman Trophy, won a national championship, went to the NFL until his shoulder just wasn't good enough to keep playing football, a guy who's been you know, a quarterback's coach, an offensive coordinator, and a head coach, whose offenses have put a lot of points on the board, even in you know conferences like the Big 12 and the SEC at Mizzou. I think – he didn't come here and, and turn into an idiot offensively. Like, that. that's not how this works. I know if the, you're a Tennessee ca- fan, the, that's how it seems like it works in your mind because Tennessee hires coaches who are promising and then it doesn't work out. I understand why people believe that. I just think it's foolish. I don't agree with it. I think this early with what we've seen and with what little we've seen in practice lately, I, I think we're sort of not forced to make this decision, but at least forced to consider the possibility – that this guy with his track record offensively knows what the hell he's doing. Well, the, the counterpoint from the Bailey is third string and should be playing crowd seems to be he Heupel made the wrong call in hindsight by playing Brandon Wimbush a couple of years ago at UCF. Sure. Sure. And, and later changed his mind obviously, and, and made it made a switch. So because he messed it up before he could be doing the same thing with a guy like Milton who came in under similar circumstances. That's, that's the argument there that, that it, even though he's a quarterback guy, he's not infallible and he's gone with talent before. And even though Milton has talent, he's just, it's just not clicking for him. I, I can understand that argument. I just don't know. Like you said, it's, a, it's been a game and a half. I mean, it, it, is it concerning? Should it be concerning that Tennessee did not put up better numbers against a bad Bowling Green team and that Joe Milton has missed on some open throws so far, several open throws? Yes, I think it's legitimately concerning. But a guy missing open throws doesn't necessarily mean he's always going to miss those throws. It's, it's been two games. 
Um, yeah, so there, I, there, there are people like Mike Leach who say you can't improve a quarterback's accuracy, and I think that's ridiculous. I think well, if, if, if that's the point, what's the point of coaching? Like you, you, you've never seen guys develop a better throw to home plate from the outfield as they've progressed yeah. in their careers. You've never seen you know guys, you know, you've never seen pitchers find more command more in the strike zone as their careers progress. I mean, I, I just to me that's an excuse to not coach a guy. Well, I. I, it's it's kind of like shooting in basketball, right? Like that's the argument. The argument is if you're a bad shooter, you're, you can't improve. Well, we've seen that improve in some guys. That some guys become better shooters. It's it's kind of the same principle that you can you can become more accurate. But I do agree that's one of the toughest things to improve. the The thing is, what if there's a mechanical glitch there that this staff can work on with Joe Milton or or a a way of processing things? To me, decision making is still his biggest hindrance. Uh, I feel like he's still maybe not seeing the field perfectly, which is the, the toughest thing about playing quarterback, right? That's seeing the field and making the right decisions yes. is the most important thing. And that's what separates the great quarterbacks from just the okay ones. So I, that's not, that doesn't make Joe Milton, Jared Garantano 2.0. And that's, that, that's a whole other discussion that's driven me crazy because people, that are, same, people are scarred. They're scarred. I, I get it, but that's, it, what the thing that kept Jarrett Garantano from being a good quarterback at Tennessee is the thing that keeps every other quarterback from being good. It's decision-making processing, seeing the field. It doesn't mean Joe Milton's a, a Jarrett Garantano carbon copy, but anyway, uh, but yeah, so, so Milton's got to get better in that regard, but I think this staff feels it can get him there. And, and again, they've seen a better version of Joe Milton on the practice field. So I agree. You don't throw out, Milton entirely just because he didn't play well for a game and a half. And I'm not saying you're committing to making a switch. I just wonder if this week, if that injury to Joe Milton just gives you a nice little excuse to say, you know what, for one week, we're just going to see what we have here. We're going to make sure Milton's hundred percent going to the Florida game. We're not going to sell this as a change of quarterbacks. We're going to sell this as Joe Milton is out with an injury and we're going to make sure he's healed up for the Florida game. And in the meantime, Hendon Hooker is going to play. I think it gives you an interesting opportunity to at least do that. If you're worried about the public perception of a quarterback competition and Hooker looking good and then that, that making it a toss-up, that's that's maybe something to take into consideration. I just think this week that gives you an easy out if you're Josh Heupel and you kind of want to see what Hendon Hooker does improving from game one to game two that, that he's played in. That's fair. I mean, I think, listen, we, we could we could talk about this all day long. We're not going to do that. We could do that. We won't, though. Uh, I, I, I just – I, I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of assumptions being made here, and I, and I don't think that's necessarily the productive way to do this. I understand why people are scarred. I understand what they've been through. Believe me, we, we guys, we've been on that campus more days than than we could count for. In some cases, for me, twenty years, and other, you know, for Ryan, what fifteen or fourteen years, whatever it is now. We, we've been around. We've done this stuff. Um, we understand certainly where Tennessee fans are. I, I, I just don't. I, I, I don't. If you think Harrison Bailey will step in right now and fix everything that's wrong and make this team better, I don't know that there is empirical evidence to support that assumption. And frankly, I think this staff has made a, has had a lot of time to look at a lot of these guys, and they've judged him to be the number three option. Not the two, the three. Yeah. And there are places where the backup quarterback is the most popular guy on campus. If the number three quarterback is the most popular guy on campus, guys, what, what are we doing? <laughs> what, 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 like what, 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 why is this the, the conversation right now is Milton or Hooker? That's the conversation. 
Right. That's the one that matters. Now, maybe Bailey, you know, at Tennessee or somewhere else, ends up being a guy who turns into a star. Okay, he's got four more years to play. There's plenty of time there. He's a smart kid. You know, he's got some ability. He was a big prospect for a reason. I get it, but he's got time. Right now the conversation is Milton or Hooker. That's the conversation. And, I, I can, and until that changes, I don't know. All the time that we're spending talking about Bailey, I'm not saying it's wasted time, but there are other things that are more pertinent that we should be discussing. Well, like you said, the Tennessee fans are scarred, and I think they still think back to when Josh Dobbs was a true freshman, and he was fourth on the depth chart at the time behind two guys who weren't better than him in the long run, Justin Worley and Nathan Peterman. And then also Riley Ferguson looked like he was ahead of him on the depth chart at that time. And so Dobbs gets in only because of injuries at the end of the year, and then obviously it, it kind of slowly builds, but he shows some running ability and it takes off from there. And so fans, I think, remember that, and they say, well, the, any coach who relies on just what they're seeing in practice is stupid because some guys are just gamers. Sure, Dobbs wasn't a great practice player, so they didn't get to really see what he could do, and then he goes out there and he lights it up. And so I think some people are thinking maybe Harrison Bailey's the same type of guy. First of all, nobody wins a quarterback job anywhere without being a, a good enough practice player. You don't just pick a quarterback. Oh, this guy's not been as good in practice, but you know what? I got a feeling about him that when we put him out there under the lights, he's going to be better. I just, I just, I, yeah. I think that's going to, I think the a switch is just going to flip and we're going to get Superman. Yeah. That's how you get fired as a coach. That, nobody does that. So you have to win the job in practice, first of all. So let's get that out of the way. Second, I, I don't think you can assume every situation is like that just because of Josh Dobbs. And, and I would think Tennessee fans of all people by now shouldn't get lost in recruiting rankings they're, they're right most of the time. Like, they're at least in the ballpark. Like, Jarrett Garantano even was ranked high for a reason, and we saw the physical talent. It just He just hasn't put it together in college. So, like, the rankings are what they are for a reason usually, but that also doesn't mean, as we've seen with plenty of Tennessee players over the years, that a guy is going to be elite in college. So l- let's see if Harrison Bailey develops into what his ranking suggests he is. But right there, you know, right now, he's obviously not there yet. So – um, you know, the, the argument for him to me would be, okay, I don't think either of these guys ahead of him is significantly better than him right now. Let's just de- play the young guy and develop him because maybe he's the long-term future. I can at least see that argument, but to see people saying he's better than Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker right now, and this staff doesn't see it, I, I, it's hard for me to go with that because I, again, they're seeing more than we see. And I don't think it's even been a close call really to this point that Bailey should be playing over them. I think Bailey has been pretty much behind from the start of spring practice from what we can tell. And it really hasn't, if there's been a decision to make, it's been more between Milton and hooker to the point you just made than between Bailey and anybody else. Yeah. The la- the last thing I'll say on this is, is, is I, I just, I understand why as a fan, it's easier to sit there in your mind. Cause we've all been there, right? I've been there with the Cubs. I've been there with Arsenal. I've been there with the U S men's national team. Hell the other day, the U S men's national team was playing a game and I, I'm sitting there questioning like play this guy why are you not playing this guy play this guy he will fix things it's what we do as sports consumers it's what fans do it's it's easier as a fan to think that there is hope on the current roster and the coach is screwing it up that's a much easier place to be as a fan than to say well even if they play every they could fire every bolt in the chamber it's not going to matter it's still going to suck that way as a fan is hopeless it's much, much simpler to think, well, if you just play Bailey, you're going to fix a lot of this stuff. Just play Bailey. He's the guy. Play Bailey. It's easy to process that. It makes sense in our heads. It makes us think, 
yeah, we got a chance here. We just need to play this guy, and the coach is being an idiot. That's easy. It's very oftentimes it's not the case, and, and I, I I just think there are more productive discussions to have right now that we could all be spending our time discussing. That, that's well, that's my opinion. What one other thought I've I've seen thrown out there, conspiracy theory or whatever you want to call it, it that I've seen people discuss it sometimes is that. Joe Milton was promised the job to come to Tennessee and that Harrison Bailey's gotten a raw deal in all this because he, and the players on the team feel he's gotten a raw deal. I can tell you right now, that's not true. This team was not splintered over a quarterback debate internally. The people I talked to throughout the program this summer, privately amongst themselves, they, they were, they were wowed by Joe Milton early on. I mean, they, their money was on Milton going into preseason camp. People thought ability wise, Milton looked like the guy. He carried himself like the guy. Maybe he won't turn out to be the guy long-term. That's very possible. For some guys, it, it, what you see on the practice field and, and skill-wise just doesn't add up in games for one reason or another, and you just have to go in a different direction. Happens all the time in the NFL, in college, whatever. Maybe that'll be the case with Joe Milton, but I don't think this is a deal where there's internal divide. I think this team still, even after a loss, we'll see how they respond this week, but I think they're in a pretty good spot. I don't think they're splintered over a quarterback debate, so let's just throw that out. Yeah, I don't think yeah, that, look, that's an issue. Look at Jimmy Callaway's response about that on Saturday. I think that when he said, "Listen, I don't care who's at quarterback; that's my leader, whoever it is. I'm ready to go play." I think he meant that. I, you know, he he said that and kind of looked at me with a grin, like, "Dude, that's exactly what I think. Like, that's you know, that's like I don't care who's a quarterback. Let's go roll. Let's go play." So. Again, there's a lot that we could keep discussing there, but we're going to have many more podcasts. I'm sure Tennessee is Tennessee. I'm sure this will be a conversation <laughs> for a while. I think that's no doubt. I don't want to make assumptions here. I don't want to paint with the broadest brush imaginable, but I do believe that we'll continue having this conversation for a while. So before we get out of here, Ryan, because we're already pressed for time, uh, anything recruiting wise over the weekend, any updates, anything? We're not going to ever have you on a podcast and not ask about recruiting. Well, yeah, real quick before that, I just just to wrap up the quarterback discussion, I just wanted to say I, this is not surprising in any way, and until further notice, the, the quarterback question is going to be an open discussion because no one's taking the job and run with it. So that's the bottom line right now, and you know, pick a horse in the race if, if you want, whatever, but I just I, it, it will get sorted out in the end, but in the meantime, the bottom line is Tennessee needs to figure out the quarterback position or it's going to – it's going to set things and, back and, a little you, bit. And you can't play Elijah Simmons there, which is unfortunate because he'd probably be awesome <laughs> at it. Yeah, but Joe Milton's got to play better or, or, or Hendon Hooker will get a chance. And then if it doesn't work out for him, then, then maybe there's a time that, that Harrison Bailey will get a chance. We'll see. But that will that, that's going to be an open discussion until, until that's sorted out. Uh, on the recruiting front, you know, Tennessee did have a bunch of guys in unofficially last week. We, we covered it in, in the – Last week on the on the checkerboard on GoVols 24-7 and in our, our weekend visitor preview on GoVols 24-7. But they they had a few guys we had mentioned before might have been in for official visits uh, that, that got canceled for different reasons. You had uh, Ephesians Prysock, the four-star cornerback from California. Actually love plays that at Bishop. Name. God love that it's name. It's a great name. Uh, plays at Bishop Alamany, the high school where Casey Clawson is the head coach and Rick Clawson is the offensive coordinator. You know, that's a, that's a connection Tennessee's not been able to take advantage of to this point, but this is a guy they, they were in position to get him on campus. He had a Friday night game, which started at 10 o'clock Eastern time, with Tennessee playing a noon game on Saturday. You can imagine traveling from the West Coast, some complications with making that trip in time for a noon kickoff on Saturday. So I think they decided best to push this one back. 
don't think that means Tennessee's moving on from him by any means, but that, that visit just needs to happen later, it sounds like, because that weekend just didn't work out for him. Uh, Joshua Josephs, he, his official visit for the second time pushed back. He was going to take it to Knoxville. Uh, his first official visit was going to be to Knoxville the first weekend of June when things first opened up. They pushed that back because they realized and, and kind of determined he wasn't planning to make a decision until this fall. So he set for the Pittsburgh weekend, and suddenly that October 1st uh, decision date that he had previously kind of penciled in, he decides he's likely pushing that back. So that, that official visit now looks likely to happen next month sometime, maybe either the South Carolina or Ole Miss game. So we'll see when that happens. But it, it looks like he's planning to wait until at least sometime later in October, maybe even November or December before he makes a decision. So Tennessee wanted that official visit to be closer um, to, the, to the decision date. The only bad news for Tennessee there is he got to go to Michigan on Saturday for an unofficial visit. Michigan looks like maybe Tennessee's main competition for him right now, unless Georgia or someone else enters the picture. And Michigan obviously put on a pretty good show Saturday night under the lights with the win over Washington. Got to see a great environment up there. So that's the, the downside there. The good news for Tennessee, though, is that official visit, which always can make an impression, now will happen closer to his decision date. So uh, we'll see how that one plays out. And then the other one, C.J. Madden, edge rusher from the Atlanta area also. Um, doesn't look like that one's likely to go. Tennessee's way I, I don't know if Tennessee is cooled there but it, it certainly seems like they're maybe not making as much of a push as they were before for him we'll, we'll see how things go moving forward but he's talked about a September 18 announcement if that still happens uh, that's that's obviously coming up this weekend if that happens on Saturday Georgia's looked like the favorite recently so I, I would have to think Georgia's still the team to beat if they they are still pushing for him and if that uh, announcement goes forward as planned but he's he's certainly uh, him not making it in certainly suggests that t- he's not likely to end up in Tennessee unless something changes with his plans, whether it be pushing back his announcement or, or something else. So those guys, none of the, so no official visitors last weekend at all. Unofficial visitors though, did include one important 2022 target, James Pierce, another edge rusher target from Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Tennessee in, in the definitely very much in the running for him. I think one of at least a few major contenders and getting him here Saturday for the first time, definitely made them more of a, of a factor, I think. So Tennessee's very much in that one. And he looks like one of Tennessee's top edge rusher targets, probably along with Josh Josephs. Uh, so, so certainly someone to watch with Tennessee needing, needing some edge rushers in this class. They don't have one at that position right now. And, uh, and, and so Pierce looks like one of Tennessee's better options. Still trying to get a feel for exactly who else is in that one. South Carolina, I think, is one of the main contenders. They got him on campus over the summer. Missouri hosted him on his first official visit back in June, but that's, that's one Tennessee is very much in and also recruiting in one of his teammates, Dalen Smothers, a class of 2023 running back that was back on campus Saturday. And otherwise it was mostly 2023 targets, but a lot of guys both in state and out of state in town, along with some Tennessee commitments, uh, Taven Jackson, the quarterback got to see his first Tennessee game, Addison Nichols, the the four-star offensive line commitment was back in town. So pretty good turnout for what was one of the better home games on Tennessee's schedule. And then I think you'll see a lot more Tennessee commitments uh, and targets in town next month, especially for those games against South Carolina and Ole Miss. I think they're kind of shaping up to be two of the bigger visit weekends of the season uh, with Georgia in November, obviously being one, two, but certainly those games next month will be bigger. We'll see about this week with the noon kickoff in Tennessee tech. I would not expect it to be a huge weekend, probably no official visitors as of right now, but uh, we'll see if that changes throughout the week. It's, it's likely to be similar to last week, sort of low key, um, but mostly, I think, more focused on in-state players than last week was, where they at least had some good out-of-state players 
on campus for the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, there will be more impressive weekends to be in uh, in Knoxville. I think is, yeah. is the general and, and, is the general. Uh, it, that's a safe assumption to make. I've been saying let's not make assumptions, but that that's a fair one to make. Yeah. Uh, one, one other note: uh, Walter Nolan uh, was at Michigan on Saturday. He was at the Georgia Clemson game the week before. I know everybody's kind of always wondering about the five-star defensive lineman over at Powell High School. Uh, so he's been a couple games already this season. Supposed to be at Florida on Saturday if the if his plans have not changed yet uh, to to go to the Florida Alabama game that a lot of prospects are planning to attend. I know. Uh, so that's certainly uh, one to watch. Obviously, every week with him, uh, you never know where he's going to end up and what how things might change. So it looks like his first game at Tennessee won't be until at least October because uh, I don't think he'll be at the Tennessee Tech game, even if things were to change. I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if he ended up visiting for that one. So uh, so he'll be at Tennessee for, he thinks, multiple games this year, but just not until next month. Uh, and then also, um, you know, we'll, we'll see Tennessee's coaches will probably be on the road this week at least a little bit leading up to the game Saturday against Tennessee Tech. So we'll see where they where they go and how far they venture out with a noon kickoff on Saturday. But I think you'll see some coaches, uh, from, from what I've gathered, at least on the road a little bit this week to take advantage uh, a little bit more uh, of the fall evaluation period going into that game. I think that's a pretty good place to leave. Oh, Ryan. You got anything? Oh, go ahead. It sounds like you got something well, else. Yeah, so, and just to bring it full circle before we wrap things up, we, we talked, we started off by talking about the attendance if fans were worried about that and, and how much that might have impacted things in recruiting, the players I've spoken with so far all, all spoke pretty highly of the atmosphere Saturday. They, they thought the stadium was pretty pretty charged up and uh, thought it was a fun environment and were, were encouraged by how Tennessee looked overall. So I, I haven't, you know, it's usually the case with game visits unless a team just absolutely lays an egg on the field. I don't think that's what Tennessee did Saturday. So most of the feedback I've gotten so far are pretty encouraging. And even with those empty seats, which are right in front of the recruiting section. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're prominent they're, with those guys. Yeah, they're right there in the north end zone on the field. So they're staring at that you know, largely empty south end zone upper deck. But even with that, you know, I, I spoke with a couple of players who said they were kind of surprised by how many people were there. I think they had this impression of Tennessee being down and, and not being a ton of interest in it. I think they were, they were maybe in, in, in a way encouraged by how many Tennessee fans were there and how into the game they were. So Tennessee's still impressing people with, with crowds of that size. If you were wondering about that, that, that was interesting to me that no one's really mentioned that at least so far as, as kind of a, uh, a source of concern that there were that many empty seats at the game Saturday. And for everyone who says Ryan only provides a wet blanket, there's a very, very dry blanket that <laughs> Ryan has just applied to fire everyone up at the end. Ryan, I, honestly, I think you should go out on that high. I think you should probably just, just be done now for, for this podcast. Unless you got anything else, that's a pretty strong place to end. No, that's I'm going to Costanza it on that one. I'm out. That's that's a good place to be, man. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Wes. And that should wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Ryan for joining us. Thanks to all y'all for listening. We say it every time, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get tons and tons of Tennessee news, SEC news throughout the day right there on that feed. Tons of good stuff there. But if you want the best, most delicious, sparkling, smoky mountain spring water just right from the tap, go get that at govals247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols 
Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. Tons of good stuff on there. Some recent interviews with Kelly Harper that she had that were really good. Go check those out. Also got two forums that run around the clock 24-7, as the name suggests. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss anything you want with us that is not political or religious in nature. Anything you want. Tennessee fans, coast to coast and beyond. We got Tennessee fans from all over the world that are on there. Thousands of people, tons and tons of good conversations on there. Go be a part of that community. Plus, you you get that, plus all that content items, a couple dozen at least fresh content items every day. You can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And that's after a seven-day free trial. You get a seven-day free trial, then you can pay less than one mediocre lunch per month. And if you pay us that reasonable rate, you get, in perpetuity, access to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access, and now it's Paramount Plus. That's CBS Viacom streaming platform. Everything you could possibly want on there. Every show CBS ever made, commercial-free. Tons of exclusive shows like Evil, the Picard shows, all the Star Trek stuff, all that stuff. All that stuff. Movies that are exclusive to there. New movies every month. You got classic movies that rotate in. You got everything from, you got stuff from the from the libraries of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central. That's great stuff. Tons of that stuff is on there. You, you got live sports with SEC sports, Tennessee sports, obviously. You get, uh, you get NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. All of that. That's a $100 plus annual value. That's the Rolls-Royce package that you get commercial-free. And you get it for free. No one else can do that, guys. We can do that for you. So go to GoVols247.com right now. Check it out. It's one of the best deals out there. You can't beat it. Go check it out. If nothing else, guys, if there's no big breaking news, you should you should hear from us on Thursday again, as usual, during the, uh, during the week, unless there's big breaking news before then. So until then, guys, uh, just please, please get that vaccine. Please wear the mask when it's appropriate. Please keep those hands clean. We've seen the start of football season. We really want to see the end of it. So please, please do your part. I know it's frustrating, but please do your part. And if nothing else, at least be nice to each other. There's too much nastiness out there in the world. Until then, be good. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.